Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Step aside, Sinbad. Watch out, Star Wars. Here comes the master of the flying guillotine, the ultimate action fantasy, a legend. He battled the warriors from beyond time with weaponry beyond imagination. See the monkey man. See the arena of death. See the challenge of the inferno, the tornado of knives, the fighting magician with the 18-foot arms, and see the master of the flying guillotine, filmed in Super Cinevision from Seymour Bordy and Associates, rated R. Hey, it's Josh, and we're back with uh, our third pandemic parade. Um, look, my response to these has been absolutely great, uh, both from our listeners and from uh, our previous guests uh, who've been lining up to do them. But we just really appreciate all of you. We hope that what we're doing here helps a little bit. Um, maybe just sort of uh, brighten up your day for a few minutes, um, or maybe we turn you on to some great movies and brighten up your day for a few hours. But... Uh, it's just been um, uh, really kind of gratifying uh, the way people have turned out for this. And we hope uh, you will throw some of your love towards the Hollywood Food Coalition as well. We've got Blair Bercy back again this week to give you a little bit more information about what they do. They're a great, great group. They're on the front lines of this battle. Um, they are helping some of the most at-need people in America uh, get through their days. Um, it's really important, serious work, and anything you can do to help them would be much appreciated. So we've got a whole bunch of folks for you this week. So why don't we uh, cut the jibber jabber and get right to it? It's the movies that made me Pandemic Parade Three: The Domination. your life. Mama's coming. She's Kung Fu Mama. When she gets her dander up, the hitmen go down. Flattened by the deadliest weapons in outraged motherhood, the flying fists of Kung Fu Mama. You see, all of us have a few tricks. Now, let me show you one of mine, huh? First up, it's writer-director Stephen Canals, the creator of one of my favorite TV shows, Pose. Stephen, thank you. Uh, of course. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for um, how how are you uh, how are you uh, dealing and coping with with pandemic quarantine? Uh, well, I have been drinking a lot. <laughs> um, always good. Always great. Uh, but no, I mean, I've been. It's been an interesting three weeks i mean i feel like my creative energy it's a roller coaster 
you know, some mornings I wake up and I'm amped and ready to go. You know, I'm excited to attack the page. And then there are other days I wake up and I'm like, I am just not feeling it at all. Mm. You know, and I have basically, I mean, at this point, like I've scoured every single corner of my apartment. Um, and, you know, my, my go-tos when I'm, you know, needing a creative boost, like it's, it's just, it's not working, you know? Well, I, 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 I think that's yeah. a, a surprisingly common feeling among people. And it, and it does, it's a, it's a, it's a graph and it, it, you just, you just sort of have to ride it. And some days it just doesn't seem like it's worth getting out of bed. It's like, why? It's just going to be like the day after the day after that, the day after that. But then on the other hand, sometimes you just go, wait a minute. I just, I have this idea. I've got to, I've got to write this down. I've got to plan this. I got to think about this. I feel I'm, I'm, I, this will lead to this thought and that will lead to that thought. And then, and then all of a sudden you're creating, but um, it's very Ooh. easy to get to, sort of demoralized with just the, the the sameness of it all nancy nancy said the other day it was really, she goes she goes we're living in groundhog day we, we are living in groundhog day but you remember in groundhog day he used the extra time to make himself a better person yeah and we use it to podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh drinking and podcasting the <laughs> um well steven are you are you uh are you plowing through a lot of movies during all this i am a few you'd like to share with or any of them helping in particular or what what is your approach do you do you do you uh turn into the skid and watch like dark end of the world kind of stuff or are you looking comfort food of cheerful escape you know honestly yeah. so because i and i know this will resonate with you i'm actively working on a project i just don't have the freedom the time to sit and indulge in everything and anything that i want um and so i'm trying to take this period of time as an opportunity to really fill the creative well um because as i would articulate it yeah. I, you know for me my creativity feels like you know an iphone battery um and not a particularly good one. And so it's, it's constantly draining. Um, and so yeah, you got to feed and the so beast. I think for me, this is an opportunity to really just fill it as much as possible, you know, try to get it to a hundred percent or, or 99.9, um, you know, and then, and, and then try to maintain that energy. Um, so all that to say that right before uh, I had left for New York about, a month and a half ago to start production on on season three of pose um criterion had a huge sale and i had purchased a bunch of dvds yes, and, or, or blu-rays and and then i just figured well i'll watch those in you know six or seven months and so it's been nice to sort of be able to go through them and and watch so my list is very criterion heavy that's okay that, that means it's available I guess I, I had a very different uh, response to their latest sale. It was sort of liberating and depressing. As I went through, I realized, oh, shit, I've already bought all the <laughs> ones that I want in the last fucking Criterion Well, no, sale, what you so. need to do now is <laughs> sign up for the Criterion channel. Because, oh, okay, oh I've like got I'm that too. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you, don't have, then you don't have to buy them because then they're there. And, and, and as long as you as long as you assume that the Criterion Channel will always be there, uh, you could sort of get away with not actually owning it. But but 
I, I trust physical media. Uh, I agree. I, I think in, in this day and age, if you don't have it, you can't hold it in your hand. You don't really own it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But so what have you been watching? So uh, the first film that I watched, the moment that I arrived back from, from New York, uh, was Ali Fear Eats the Soul. Mm. From oh, Fassbender. Okay. That's going to be uh-huh. a Fassbender. Uh, which I had never seen before. And I was really excited. But I was excited to watch it. I had never seen it before. I didn't know what to expect. Um, my partner, Hans, is a huge uh, Fassbinder fan. Um, and so this was like at the top of, of his list. And he was like, let's just really dig in. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Um, and I just really loved it. Surprising how how moved I was by the film, you know, this really unorthodox love story um, about this man of color and this older white woman and her family's reaction to her being with him. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me and my reaction to it is like, I'm clearly a sap. Um, you know, I love a love story, <laughs> but I also love a narrative that is grounded. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate you know, like your standard issue studio rom-com every now and then. But this story just mm -hmm. felt so uh, lived in, mm -hmm. in a way that I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, and not being a fan of, or excuse me, not being familiar with uh, Fassbinder's work, it definitely left me with a desire mm -hmm. to continue to dig into his filmography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of it too, Jesus. I mean I feel like Ali Ali probably took him make two weeks to make in between. You know? Well, and also, do you know do you know the story of of because I went like on a deep dive specifically on this particular film because mm -hmm. he apparently Fassbender was in a sexual relationship with the actor who plays Ali, and then the act I, I'm blanking on his name now, but the actor uh, he like he went to prison. Um, I believe he was like incarcerated for murder i might be getting the story wrong now but like there was just like a it, it, there's a whole other story there like there's a limited series just based on their, <laughs> yeah. their love story a james franco yeah, exactly. movie about the making of uh... <laughs> yeah. fantastic that was fun um and then from that it led me into i had been dying to see this film and i just hadn't been able to make it to the theater and then fortunately hulu announced that they were going to Put it on their platform. Um, so I watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh yeah, I've been, I've been oh, meaning to see God. that. Yeah, this was really yeah. Last year. It's beautiful. It's so good, so good. Top three um, last year for me. Just, yeah. It, it, yeah. God, it, the film for me. I think the best way to describe it is like it's it's a painting. It is mm -hmm. a painting. Um, I I would only I would only I'd be afraid here because here's you don't want to make it sound like vegetables no and, and to be honest but that's okay though <laughs> you know what i mean it, i get no but i because to me it's like everything about that film shouldn't work for it's french it's period it's you know just oh and somehow i, I it's it's so not anything that you expect from that kind of film and yet it is that kind of film if that makes sense yeah I, it's listen i, I am a fan of but know, it is i could watch paint dry for 20 hours so <laughs> as i like to say you're no, not selling the listen, movie, Stephen. The slower, the better. <laughs> um, it's just, 
<laughs> Guys, it's amazing. It's got it's got some really hot sex in it. So, uh... <laughs> and then there's that. Um, I no, but I, I thought it was just it was just really beautiful. And the thing that I love the most, and this is yeah. me being like yeah. a film student again, being a film nerd. But um, you know, when I was in undergrad, we talked a lot about the gaze. And the thing that I loved about the film and have continued to unpack mm-hmm. since since watching it is that. You know, the director is a woman um, and, well, the writer-director is a woman and she dated the lead actress yeah. of the film. And there's something about oh, really? the, looking at and deconstructing the female gaze of this film, but knowing that the person behind the lens is also a woman. And there's just something really beautiful and fascinating yeah. to, to um, deconstruct there in terms of that. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing film. Amazing film. So I'm wondering, is your next film uh, is the director dating the actor and the seems Perhaps. to be a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, next film that I watched uh, it was Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love. Oh, beautiful! Um, just beautiful. another really. Yeah. I, I have to be honest. I think partly because I was coming out of, I only was able to direct three scenes before we shut down production. But I think because I was mm. already in the mindset of of taking uh, a script that I co-wrote and then having to translate it visually, um, I've just been in that mindset where, it, you know, if, if I was, if I had come off of just writing a project, I probably would have had a different set of films to share. Um, but I've been really right. focused on. Um, auteurs, you know, writer, directors, and then also um, how just directors with a very strong visual voice. Um, and Wong Kar Wai yeah, obviously yeah. is one of those people. And In the Mood for Love is just, it's just such a beautiful film. Um, I should also note that the last three yeah. films I've said all are, you know, they're all international films. And so um, as Bong Joon-ho said when he was on stage at the Oscars, like hopefully you're not turned off by having to, you know, read subtitles but in the mood for love is just one of those films yeah. that you know it, it's it's just such a beautiful journey to go on um and one that seems to always unfurl new meaning every time i revisit it so i love that yeah it's just gorgeous to look at uh the next film that i watched is a little dark uh and it's hunger 2008 steve mcqueen mm. oh Oh God! Yeah, no love there. <laughs> dark, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a that is a yeah dark dark. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a tough no. one. Um, but it's an interesting one if you're if you're locked up somewhere. Certainly. And uh, <laughs> it's it's nice to know that it could be worse. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, the thing about this film that I found really interesting, I actually do think thematically it fits in with the previous three, which is. I do think that there's a lot of love and hunger, but it's all about love for self. You know, I think that the the mm. character, I'm blanking on his name now, that Michael Fassbender plays in the film clearly has a desire um, to make this prison uh, a better, safer place, not only for himself, but for his fellow inmates. Um, and I think that that is... Mm-hmm worthy and you know there's a lot to unpack in that film around um how we treat 
incarcerated individuals here in America, how we continue to. And, and um, so I appreciate that about the film, but also just like the huge swing that Steve McQueen took as a filmmaker, because I'll be honest, I had actually never seen Hunger before. So I was familiar with his mm-hmm. work um, and also his... A lot of folks don't know this, but Steve McQueen started off as like a fine artist. Um, so, you know, you can find yeah. his work in MoMA and LACMA. And so it's pretty familiar with, with his work prior to, to stepping into doing like narrative pieces. But, but I'd never seen this one. Um, and so I was really moved by it and, and um, just really appreciate him as a filmmaker. I think he's someone who obviously is always taking big swings. Like he's a risky director. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that about him and his work. Um, the fifth film on my list actually isn't in the Criterion Collection, but if they're listening, they need to include it. Um, <laughs> and it's The Sweet Hereafter. Oh, yeah. Oh, Adam yeah. Agoyan, yeah. which I, a friend of mine is, uh, he's doing a deep dive into all films that were released in 1997. Not sure why he picked the year, but um, you know, so he'd ask, like, are there any films that you really love from that period? And Sweet Hereafter happened to already be on his list. Um, but I was like, God, I haven't seen that movie in a couple of years, but I need to dive back in. And I love, visually, the film is beautiful, but I also love narratively. And I think yeah. it connects to the conversation that, Josh, you and I had um, the last time that we spoke when I was talking about family dramas. And to me, the Sweet Hereafter, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like a, a cousin to In the Bedroom, but this is another one of those, as, as um, Ebert said in his review of the film, it's really a film about the grief of surviving, um, which feels, yeah. uh, I think uh, for me, omnipresent in terms of what I'm seeing on the news, you know, with all of the deaths happening, mm-hmm. you know, with this pandemic. And, and I think there's a lot of uh, folks who are trying to figure out how they will survive um, once we're through all of this. And, and I think that the film in a really yeah. specific and pointed way deals with that. Yeah. <laughs> another another yeah. feel-good movie. Just makes you want to get on a school bus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, you're right. It is, it is, it's beautiful. And Ian Holmes so good. And, and uh, it just it captures something about its location. That, 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 that sort of the snowy town that they live in. And, uh, it's yeah. yeah beautiful cinematography yeah. there i think yeah, the only other film i could say that comes to mind where that plays or somehow manages to play around with texture despite all of the white is fargo mm-hmm. the film that just yeah. did a really yeah. great job yeah. embracing that landscape yeah well fantastic steven um thank you man for uh thanks for classing up the joint by mentioning all <laughs> yeah, definitely classing out the joint and depressing the shit out of me. So, uh, yeah, stay safe. Thank you. Yeah, stay healthy and isolated. Yeah. Looking forward to the next season of Pose, my friend. Thank you. Night of the Lepus. Rated PG. Next up, it's the great screenwriter, Larry Karaszewski. By the way, if you haven't already, please, would you check out Dolomite Is My Name on Netflix? It's genuinely great. I'm not trying to, uh, it's okay if you don't see my face, I guess. 
He's dramatically backlit. <laughs> we, we, you look like the beginning of a Disney cartoon, you know, when everybody has those sun rays behind them. That's maybe a little bit better. Or, or, or the villain in some sort of 70s eco thriller. I don't know. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, the bad guy in Soylent Green, is what you're trying to say. Or uh, um, the Silent Running was really Silent Running. Running. That's what I was yeah. going for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the, I already am, I'm going to bottom on this podcast. I'm already saying the wrong name of a movie. How are you, sir? How I'm is... all right. I'm getting by. I'm surviving. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a very weird time. But, uh, you know, as you must know, being a writer, uh, it's like, hey, you sit in your room all day and don't see anybody. Uh, so it's not, it's not that different. Yes. <laughs> are you experiencing the same writer's block that other writers seem to be complaining about? Uh, not really, because uh, actually I, I think we are being more productive because when Scott and I are in a room together, we have uh, uh, lots of ways to be distracted. If Scott goes to the bathroom, I'll pick uh, up a yeah. magazine and start reading. And then he'll come back in the room and see that I'm reading a magazine. And so, so he'll start reading. So we'll take us another hour to get back to work. Where now that we're on the phone, uh, uh, all we're doing is like working. Because if you're talking to somebody on the phone, you're not, yeah. you're, there's no reason for it to exist unless. Right. <laughs> oh, that's actually on the, you know. So I, I think like, uh, like, like TV writers' rooms. Um, yeah. are going to be a lot different just because they're not going to be talking about what you're getting for lunch right. for three hours. <laughs> uh, they'll just be working on the show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on an assignment on my own, and then um, Brancato and I are about to start rewrites on our uh, on our Netflix thing. And I'm, I'm, but that you're you're encouraging me. That that makes me hopeful that we'll because <laughs> because working alone, uh, it is yeah. so much it is so much easier to podcast. Which is why he spent most of the day doing that. Exactly. Yes, yes indeed. You, so you, tell us. Right. So what the the uh, your do you mean your your what your question? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, so what, what are we supposed to be watching? Um, well, I'm going to go into I think Dan Waters uh, uh, touched yeah, upon he outed last your week, schedule, yes. but um, uh, it's not the same schedule as Dan. But uh, the, I think the key thing during this this crazy time period is to reduce anxiety. And I found definitely with my wife that when you go into our TV room and there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of DVDs or you go into streaming and there are thousands, billions of choices, you have that argument every evening about what to watch and an hour of clicking through things, trying to make that decision. And what we uh, uh, decided to do was sort of do theme nights for every day of the week. And I think rather than just give blanket recommendations, I will go through my theme nights and we'll, okay. I'll talk about what we've watched or what we plan on watching in the future. This is Wednesday. So it's, uh, all the theme nights have like a rhyming name with the day. Uh, so it's Western Wednesday. Not really rhyming, but it's, a, you know, a, 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 you know yes. Western Wednesday. And so far. Alliterative. Thank you. Like, thank it's you. like the Mickey Mouse Club, you know. Correct. Can it's, it's so you can remember it, really. So, and um, what's that been great about that is that all week long I'm thinking about, oh, what Western will we watch on Wednesday? So when we get That's to Wednesday, so it's, yeah. already, it's already predetermined kind of. Uh, last week we watched a movie that I had never seen before called Canyon Passage. Oh yeah, uh, that movie was amazing. Uh, yeah. It's Jacques. Uh, how do I pronounce it, Joe? You Jacques Tourneur. Jacques Tourneur. Um, but with Dana Andrews, and uh, it was just—it's a beautiful lived-in western. I mean, those opening—I'd say anyone who's out there watch the first five ten minutes and see if you don't get sucked into it. The opening feels like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I mean, mm -hmm. it's Dana Andrews like on a horse going through a town that's uh 
you know, in a rainstorm getting into the uh, very realistic looking village. And um, I just thought that movie was terrific. Uh, The week before we watched The Professionals, Richard Brooks's movie from the mid 60s. Uh, which I feel doesn't get enough love. You know, people instantly talk about 60s Westerns go right to Leone or go right to Peckinpah. And Richard Brooks is not as sexy as that, but this movie feels like, it feels like the movie that leads the way, you know, shows up in 66 and kind of leads the way for that. Yeah. Uh, and that movie was just great. Uh, Lee Marvin, this right in the Lee Marvin prime of it all. Um, so that's Western Wednesday. I think we're gonna ride watch ride lonesome ride lonesome tonight because um, I've never oh. seen it. Oh, that's good. You like you have it. the uh, the Butterker box set? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I, yeah, I should. I'm actually don't. I'm not. You know, I I'm not as good on 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 his work as I should be. So I'm using this to sort of uh, uh bone up on it. I I cannot recommend that um the 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 box set. Uh, was it the British um indicator? Okay. Yeah. Came All their stuff there. is great, though. Yeah, oh, it is, God, and, yeah. They, and they and they have stuff that can play in American players too, which is really yeah. yeah. Those movies are fantastic, and they're all short. Yes, yes, that's the problem with some like later westerns. They start to get in that epic length, but, yeah. which uh, then I switch them to a different day, which I'll get there. Uh, epic um, day. Yes, you know. Uh, uh, um, uh, on Thursdays, it's it's Turner Classic Thursday or TCM Thursday, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something on Turner Classic, but that means it's kind of a older film, black and white, uh, like uh, we watched um, the William Wyler movie, Carrie, with Laurence mm-hmm. Olivier uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Jennifer Jones, which I had never seen before. I'm trying to watch movies I kind of haven't seen yet, so it's hard for me to you know, blankly recommend all these things, but I thought it was fantastic. It, I think Wyler is like this, you know, obviously he's one of the, the great directors of our time, so, so uh, that movie just kind of, kind of blew me away, particularly the first half, where she's uh, you know, a poor girl who comes to the big city and doesn't know her ways. It's actually, it's actually a little racy. Eddie Albert from Green Acres and Heartbreak Kid, he plays a young traveling salesman and he's sort of, uh, you know, he's sort of uh, taking her. It's an interesting performance because he's taking her in the wrong direction, but he's also a sympathetic character. I, I can't remember uh, kind of a, it's, it's, it seems like a broad character, but he's actually quite complex. And they go into a restaurant and, and Lawrence Olivier is the manager of the classiest restaurant in Chicago. And he gets one look at Jennifer Jones and kind of falls in love and winds up, you know, chasing her and ruining his whole life uh, to be with her. And at the, by the end of the movie, I, I don't care about spoilers, by the end of the movie, he's like a homeless person because he's totally destroyed his life uh, chasing this young girl. Um, and I'm always, I'm always for those, uh, those uh, more foo kind of movies where just people throw, you know, throw their lives away to uh, be madly in love. Um, Fantastic. So that was that's the TCM uh, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Friday is uh, I think it's somewhat similar to Waters last week. I think it's actually my choice is even the same thing. Uh, uh, we did it independently, but it's Fun Film Friday, just a sort of a mindless fun film. And I uh, I'm going to talk about Hello Down There, and I guess he talked about <laughs> Hello yeah, he beat Down you to it. We're gonna we're gonna insist that people watch Hello Down There, but I'm, gonna, I'm more more attention than that movie has gotten in the last twenty years. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I actually watched it this year uh, for the first time since I was a little kid. I barely remember uh, it back then, and I was just so entertained by it. And it's also I'm bringing it up because it's a social isolation movie. It's really yeah. about a family That's who right. moves to an underwater house and has to live alone in an underwater house. But it's mid-60s. It's groovy, 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 as, as groovy as a movie with Tony Randall can be. And I'm, I'm a fan of Tony Randall in that time period. I did a, yeah. a Trailers from Hell uh, on, uh, on um, 
The Brass Bottle, which is another one of his movies from this time period, which is a, the total hoot. But this one is funny because the kids had a rock band, and uh, you know, uh, they, the manager is played by Roddy McDowell gets them booked on the Merv Griffin show, and so they do a remote from underwater seas, and there's a lots of like uh, you know goofy fish adventures because it was kind of produced by the guy who did Flipper. And so right. there's a lot of like, ah, little, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> sea animals climb into their house. And um, I really enjoyed that. The other one we watched during that uh, for that day was um, uh, uh, maybe I'm just revisiting my childhood was The Trouble with Angels, the Haley mm. Mills uh, movie. Uh, and uh, just love the heck out of that film. It's just so sweet and so uh, funny. I was, you know, I went to a Catholic school, so they, I still have memories of, uh, you know, uh, of when that movie would show up on TV. And, uh, you know, I was. You know, then uh, we would all watch it and then talk about the nuns afterwards. So um, I, I kind of mm-hmm. love that movie. And I'm a huge Haley Mills fan. I think, Josh, you're a big Haley Mills fan, too, aren't you? Stop it. Stop it. No, you're not? I thought you loved Pollyanna, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Did no, you? no, I thought you were. I thought you were busting because we talked about the show. I had a friend of my mother's who pointed out when I was a very young boy that I looked exactly like Haley Mills. Ah. So it's, it's been, ah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can see how it's a touchy subject. I'm sorry, Josh. I think that's a that's a worse thing for Haley Mills than it is for you. <laughs> not not when you're a ten year old boy. I, I, uh, you were, I thought you were teasing me, Larry, and I was no, no but you but you're a big Pollyanna fan, aren't you? I love I love oh. yeah, no, she's great. I worked with Haley Mills before I knew Josh, and then when I met Josh, the first thing I thought was <laughs> It's, 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 Haley is trust in track. Haley, if she uh, had a baby with Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to cry and go home. All what, right. uh, before we, I mean, um, uh, what was the Haley Mills film? I think you turned me on to it. That thriller. The Tiger very, Yes. Yes, it's so good. That's a, I owe Joe a trailer from Hell on Tiger Yes, Bay, he so. does. And we've been waiting sorry. patiently for All right, fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll get it done this weekend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a bad boy. That movie's great. That's before but now. Disney. Now that means that Josh has to do, uh, has to do Pollyanna finally yeah. because oh, we, know, have, we have to make Haley Mills week. No, you never did it. Oh, wow. I thought, I thought you did too. Um, and some, I mean, I'm assuming someone did pay, Parent Trap. Uh, no, nobody's done Parent Trap. Oh, wow. That's amazing as well. Or uh, Endless Night or... Family yeah. Way, or a lot of her, right. her, 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 her material is, is sadly underrepresented. Oh, uh, who we? I watched. Um, I can't. I wouldn't do it because it's not very good. But um, I watched. Uh, I think it's called Take a Girl Like You. It's with yeah. her and Oliver Reed. A very strange combination for a love story. Oliver Reed and Haley Mills. Haley Mills and <laughs> yes. Oliver Reed. Yes, very wow. strange film. Um, but it has a catchy theme song, uh, which is called Take a Girl Like Wait, You. They're, they're a couple. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's late sixties. Ken so. Russell was supposed to direct, but he dropped out. Oh really? Oh wow! I made, I made oh, I made it up. Made it up. Okay, fine. I can give By the way, apropos of nothing, can I suggest if you don't want to do Fun sure. Friday, I suggest Freddie Got Fingered Friday, in which you watch uh, Freddie Got Fingered every Friday. <laughs> that would be pretty fun too. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I mean, people are depressed enough. Yeah, I don't mind that movie as much as other people do. I, I don't you, either. <laughs> if you do, for some reason, end up watching the movie on the on the DVD, I believe there's a special feature which is called the special, uh, the PG rated cut because the film is very hard R. And if you watch the whole, get through the whole movie, watch the PG cut. It's only, I'll give away the joke. The joke is it's about two minutes long, and it's literally just people walking in the room. The scene's over, and it's just like, but it's hysterical. It's, it's you, know, you don't have to watch you, you don't watch it with me. The, the, the PG rated cut made me laugh harder than anything in the movie. 
Fantastic. Um, so I guess now we're on uh, Saturday, which I call uh, subtitle Saturday, uh, which is a you know a, a foreign foreign uh, or international um, uh, uh, day. Um, you know, I was trying to do something that would be. Uh, also be like a series like you know, uh, uh, you know in my mind I thought maybe I'll do all the Japanese Torasan films you know? <laughs> but, but I, I didn't go in that direction so I, I chose to uh, um, sort of uh, uh, use it to discover a master that I've actually seen very little of uh, Saeedra Ray which I, 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 I'm, mm. I'm shocked at how few films of his I've seen I've seen uh, Pate Pachali, uh, Pachali obviously but I haven't seen the other two in that series so I'm just going to go through those and uh, and and see some of his other work. Um, you know, I also thought about maybe doing the, all the Truffaut, uh, you know, Antoine films. You know, do them all mm. in a row. Uh, but I'm I'm starting with the with the Indian Indian pictures, um, and that leads to Sunday, uh, which I'm sort of bouncing back and forth. There's sometimes it's seventy Sunday, and sometimes it's Stanwick Sunday because I've been in a real Barbara Stanwyck mood. Because I love, uh, all, I mean, she's just, she's just perfect. So we watched Babyface, which is her pre-code movie, which is just, you know, one of, probably one of the nastiest pre-codes, but it's like so, so perfect. And then just for pure entertainment, you talk about this, like getting yourself in the great mood for these, you know, out of this time period we live in, you know, uh, Ball of Fire or Lady E. They're just, they're just perfect. They're perfect comedies. Ball of Fire yeah. particularly. Uh, just you know, uh, both those movies are also written by masters, Billy Wilder and, and Preston Sturgis, and just, they're just both perfect movies. And you know, then whatever, Double Indemnity, you can just you kind of can go through her whole catalog, uh, and uh, you know, I just love it all. And then Seventies Sunday, it's sort of that's very easy, you know, because uh, it's it's the greatest time period forever for movies. So you know, uh, just uh, if uh, if I'm feeling, um, you know. I wouldn't say lazy, but sometimes you just want to watch something that's comforting. And so you don't, it sounds strange to say something like dog, the afternoon is comforting, but you know, you're, in a, you're going to be watching yeah. a great film and uh, you know, you can just put it on and uh, like dog, the afternoon, for example, is a, was a huge influence on Scott and I, in terms of, you know, a, a, a true story that's told in a fresh, entertaining way uh, and uh, is as outrageous, but real at the same time, a beautiful script by Frank Pearson. Uh, you know, everybody's perfect in that movie, Pacino, Cazal, Durning, Chris Sarandon. It's just a, it, it's a great movie directed by Sidney Lumet. Uh, but whatever, the seventies have all those things. And then, you yeah. know, uh, whatever, I want to, I want to see carnal knowledge again. I want to see little big man again. I'd like to see paper moon again. So, you know, I hope this thing doesn't last very long, but there's always a movie. <laughs> yes. Um, so that leads us to Monday, which I'm just kind of doing, um, uh, uh, to take a little bit of freedom, we call it uh, Moody Monday, which is basically what, whatever whatever you're in the mood for. So it is the one freestyling uh, day of the week choice. Um, so if there's some movie that someone tells me about during the week, there's still one night that I can I can watch it if it's not a western. Um, <laughs> uh, and this one, I guess, could have uh, what we uh, what I want to watch it. Um, it could be the Turner Classic Night. So usually, usually these end up being sort of older black and white films because those are the movies that I, I, I want to revisit or, or, or know about. But a movie called Peter Ibbotson uh, with Gary Cooper that I love. And it's also, I feel like, a social isolation uh, movie because um, it's about a couple. Uh, they know each other as children and then they don't see each other for a long time. And then they see each other again as adults and they realize they've kind of been communicating with each other through their dreams they can actually visit each other in their dreams and he gets like wrongly convicted for a crime and gets sent to the prison 
and they have this whole love affair uh, via their dream life. And it's a very strange uh, movie, um, uh, uh, but it's great and it's solid. And it's, I think, Boonwell, one of Boonwell's favorite movies. And it's not that well known. Uh, Henry Hathaway directed it. Uh, and it's based on some big yield book. Uh, uh, but I love that movie. And it's, I'm surprised it's not better known. It might be not as well known because I forget the name of the woman who's the co-star. She's a little bit of a stiff. Uh, but Gary Cooper's great in it. Um, so that's, that's a nice Mood Monday uh, pick. And then on uh, Tuesday, I call it Titanic Tuesday, which is basically the day of the week where we can watch like a super long movie. A movie that's over 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 two hours. It doesn't have to be three hours. Over two hours. And um, uh, last week we watched um, uh, Oklahoma, which I had never seen uh, oh. the musical. Um, and uh, I guess I always was afraid of it because it always looked kind of too square for me. And I had a music teacher who uh, uh, the only voice lessons I ever got as a kid. This woman made me sing uh, "Oh, What a Beautiful Morning," and I hated it so much. And so I've always <laughs> held it against Oklahoma. Uh, yes. but, uh, then I, last year I was in New York city when you could actually go to the theater and I saw the, the you know, the new version, the, the woke Lahoma, which is like sort of the, you know, the groovy kid version, uh, you know, where they sort of updated it a bit. Uh, and I was quite fascinated by that and I thought that was kind of great. So it really made me, uh, want to go and see the, um, the original again. And I was blown away. I thought the movie was incredibly well directed mm-hmm. and, uh, just beautifully done. And, uh, you know, Ryan Steiger is the bad guy in it and it's, it's, you know, it's Rod Steiger as bad guy best. And uh, I, I kind of loved it. I was surprised how much I love it. Because I'm actually not a fan of Broadway musicals transferred to the big screen. It's really some of the deadliest cinema of all time. And I'll, I'll throw in even movies that won Best Picture, things like My Fair Lady and stuff like that. They kind of drive me crazy. The, you know, uh, but, um, but this I found, I, found, I found lively. So um, mm. I, was, I was quite impressed with it. So that's that's actually seven. That's actually the seven days of the week. Well, where's, yes. your, where's your film noir week? Um, my wife said the same thing. That was sort of mood. Mood Monday started that way, and so that's kind of. I mean, Mood Monday and Turner Classic Thursday could um, could yeah, be that. that. Yeah, like I we did watch. Um, I'm not sure I'd call this a film noir, but we did watch uh, the two Mrs. Carols. Uh, it's pretty close, you know, yeah. and it's pretty close, and that's that actually that's a Barbara Stanwyck movie as well. So you know, Moody and Moody. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, we're not um, we're not uh, strict uh, adherences to the rules. If there's something we want to watch, um, uh, we'll watch it anyway. But it just like I said, yeah, it, you, it, you it, say that now. We'll we'll check back in in three months, and there will now be penalties attached. To, uh, <laughs> Well, no, cause, because the key thing is this is supposed to take away anxiety as opposed to inflict anxiety. So if we get there and it's like, oh shit, I don't want to watch a western. Have you, know, you have you uh, have like, you read Lord Have you read Lord of the Flies, Larry? <laughs> I've seen the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, we'll check back in in a few months and see how that's going. All right. All right. Thanks, Larry. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Um, this was fun. We finally yes. got to work. I, I, um, so happy yeah. we did this. Um, Larry, thank you so much, thank man. You. Stay, uh, stay healthy. Stay low. I will. I'll try. Thank you, buddies. Take care, everyone. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. 
I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Buried alive in each man is a strange, depraved creature that turns the soul into a battleground of sin and violence, turning life into an inferno. In Dr. Henry Jeffers, this knowledge... Perhaps it was his quiet ways, his unloving wife, his simple homely face that drove him to unleash this inner presence. This was Jekyll's inferno. Dr. Jekyll gave life to the unspeakable evil of Mr. Hyde. Rich, handsome, decadent Mr. Hyde erupted to spew adultery, viciousness, murder in the greatest macabre spectacle of all time. American International Pictures presents a fascinating new Dr. Jekyll, a terrifying new Mr. Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson's study in terrifying evil, Jekyll's Inferno, in color and megascope. Last week, we introduced you to Blair Bercy from the Hollywood Food Coalition. Uh, she's back again this week to give us a little bit of an update on uh, how things are going there and uh, some more details about how you can help feed people who really, really, really need it the most right now. Hi, lovely to meet you. You too. Yes. I was just commenting that Blair is obviously going. There's literally nobody is sitting around their house looking that put together three weeks into this thing if they don't have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm heading out. <laughs> uh, Blair, thank you for joining us again. Um, and uh, thank you for all the work you're doing with... Um, Hollywood Food Coalition. We just wanted to check in with you again this week and see how things are going there. And if you could tell our audience again how they can help, that would be great. Absolutely. Are you already recording? Yeah, we're recording. It oh says we're my recording. gosh. Look at this. I act like I'm I don't talk like that normally, Blair. That's why you? it was terrifying. That's why I was scared <laughs> in my heart and my soul. I was like, it's, it's a different kind of virus, guys. It's got me <laughs> I know how this works. I know how this works. So everything is going well um, as the kind of the the nation changes and we figure out better precautions. We are still doing a to-go service every week at the Hollywood Food Coalition. Um, and we are wearing masks and we're wearing gloves and we have a doctor online now taking temperatures and making sure that if anybody is showing any kind of signs of being sick, then we uh, give them everything that they would need to be safe and sound, um, but out of line and away from everybody else. So mm -hmm. we're not spreading the virus and we're trying to encourage as much education as possible. Um, we're currently spending somewhere around $1,300 um, every week on to-go supplies. So that's fun. Um, so this is helpful. And you guys are doing a service to every single person that comes into our line. We're seeing more, you know, food insecure. We're seeing the elderly who we're yeah. counting on people coming to help them um, and work with them. And just, you know, everyone's afraid. So uh, these are the most vulnerable and the people that, the, that this uh, whole pandemic is affecting the most, um, which is yeah. why we continue to do the work. So um, if anybody listening would like to donate, and just a reminder, now we're at $3 a meal. So $3 gives somebody a multi-course 
hot meal with a preference of vegetarian. We have vegans. Um, I like meat, so we're also doing a lot of those meals. A fruit salad to go plate so that they can also keep a little something for later um, because for a lot of our clients, this is the only meal that they will have all day. So mm. you can text GIVE to 323-402-5704. Once again, GIVE to 323-402-5704. Or you can go to our website that is HOFOCO, H-O-F-O, co.org and learn more about what we do. Well, let's let's reestablish your exact location. So, that um, so we are in the heart of Hollywood. We are between Bronson and Gower on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, you can Google the Hollywood Food Coalition. Um, we are on the Salvation Army campus. So there's loads of parking if anybody wants to pull up and drop off supplies. We accept donations. Um, we're currently not accepting clothing donations, but if people want to put together hygiene kits or raid their pantry and send us supplies. Um, we're cooking. So feel free to drop those off. Great. Fantastic. Well, thanks uh, well, for all you're doing. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so much, Blair. I have not yet uh, heard back from Mick Garris uh, in re your. It's fine. I don't need, I don't need, that's a lot of pressure for me. So I don't need that. Um, I'm going, I, nobody can see me blush, but this is, I'm fangirling <laughs> right now. So it's fine. It's fine. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you very much. And um, thanks for doing this incredibly important work. And I, uh, I hope we're helping out a little bit here. You are helping out tremendously. I'm just awesome. going to, you know, trying to stay safe and yep. keep people fed. And remember, Great. because it's a podcast, you can actually go back and, and replay all of the uh, information about where to donate and yes. all that numbers and stuff. So you don't have to keep saying it all the time. Uh, and we'll put it up on the site. Yep. Thank Great. you. Thank you, Blair. Take thanks. care. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Have a good day. Bye. The sinful dwarf, a depraved, psychotic misfit, crazed by the charms of young girls and luring them from the city streets into a hellish snake pit. My son will show you the room. Oh, Peter, I don't want to stay here. What do you think of that blonde girl? <laughs> the sinful dwarf, admission restricted. Next up is Funny Man, Gareth Reynolds. Oh, God, I hate when people do that. It's Funny Man. Anyway, Gareth is the co-host of uh, one of my favorite podcasts, The Dollop. Um, and uh, yes, he's very, very funny. How, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I, I realize you've never, you've never met Joe before. No, uh, Joe, I have These guys, you were, you were absent when we did The Dollop. I was. It was my, I had two absences, one of which was yours. Yes. Well, you messed up, Joe. How are you? Good to meet you. You too. Yes, we'll do one. We'll do one in the studio next when this is all over. Uh, how's How's Jose? He's good. He's right over there, past, past ah, there the hobo at Mardi Gras. Fantastic. <laughs> Jones Jones is sleeping upstairs with his dog. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of sleeping. I'm yeah. keeping the pad schedule now, though. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're just, we're just calling up, uh, some of our, uh, past guests and asking them, uh, what, what they're watching to get through this, um, little, little historical blip we're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Over any day now, but yeah, thought, thought we'd check in with you. How's it, how's it going there? Good. Good. I'm ready for church on the 15th, just like, good. Good. uh, I think the way to celebrate coming out of this in two weeks is going to be to get around a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, for sure. So I'm just excited for that. Uh, no, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I'm going like 
you know, it's, I, there was a week where I was like, I, I don't need this. And now I'm like, I'm going to jump through my own window. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, let's look on. I'm sure there's a bright side somewhere. Um, so yeah. are you, uh, are you finding you're watching a lot more movies these days? Yeah, I've been watching. I, I've never, what I, I never had, uh, gone into Amazon prime on principles, but then this, yes. whole, this whole thing has made me compromise my principles in so many new ways that one day I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go in. And so, you know, I've just, I've been watching a lot of documentaries and um, yeah. They have a lot more stuff actually than Netflix. Does. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, really like, I mean, like everybody else, I watched Tiger, the Tiger King and then, just turn my brain into mush i mean there's just that's really all you can do right now is just uh, pr pretty much really oh hey i gotta ask this also here i joe you haven't watched tiger king yet have you i i saw the first episode okay so <laughs> how so, long have you seen the first episode I, no i saw the whole thing and i was it was oh. very interesting but i found it so depressing yeah that i really couldn't watch anymore i mean i i, I not not just the characters who were depressing enough no, uh, but yeah. the, just you know, I love animals, and if, if you really love animals, it's a hard show to watch. Yeah. Oh, that that was my question, Nancy. Nancy and I want to watch it, but she is not uh, down with. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, animals. No, it's it's not. They're not like beating them up or anything, but it's just it, it, the, the 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 overall tone that you come away from is the total exploitation. Well, and the 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 way they, it's like if what if Tampa Bay took care of tigers essentially like it is yeah. <laughs> you're like this is not like hey like, give him some Walmart chicken it's like yeah just like the wild <laughs> it's not it's not a flattering portrait of a national sensibility no which is which is to be expected I think yeah, yeah. yeah. um well what uh what uh, what have you what have you been watching that's good Gareth what can you what can you pass well, on to our guests I um our, our listeners, you're our guest. Yeah, that's right. Damn it. I um, as you know, I fly a lot. Yes. And so I have. When you were saying, sort of thinking of a theme or some like anything that kind of to linchpin the films together, it took me a minute, and then I was like, the truth is, my the films, films, the go-to films I have are ones that I have when I fly and I travel, and that I can watch a thousand times. And that, and when there's nothing on, I can still put on. So I've been going to my, I've been going to my bench. I've been going to my go-tos. Um, and the one that I've re-fallen in love with is from where I'm from, which is American movie. Oh, God, uh, yes. Which is yes. just, uh, I don't know what the, it's a documentary, but I don't even know what kind of, what kind of you call it, but it's just, delicious it holds up it's still so funny and such a great great character study um and yeah that one holds up so i that is such a good I, it's amazing to me that all these decades later i still remember mark borchard and um uh what's it shank mike shank, mike shank yeah um i remember i took briefly uh every few years i drag out my guitar and decide i'm going to learn again yeah and i remember a year or two after the film came out Mike Shank had a video site where he was giving guitar lessons. Oh, wow. So I was taking online video guitar lessons from Mike Shank. Wow. Now, when you say you wanted to learn to play again, did you used to play? No, no, I mean, every, I'm going to learn again. No, I, I, I phrase that badly. Every few years, I decided I'm going to learn. 
Oh, I see. Again, well, again, I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> so, He's never, never worked again every couple of years. Exactly. Right. But uh, yeah, that movie is so good. It's, um, uh, oh, good Lord. And I remember being, being, I don't know if I was sort of heartened. I was both thrilled and depressed to find out that actually Coven is an acceptable alternative pronunciation. Yeah, well, the we've all we've all fallen on both sides of the umlaut debate. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris the film with that that old theater buff noted it because of the umlaut. <laughs> yeah, if anybody out there has not seen an American movie, it is just it's it's everything that's good about America. In fact, yeah, yeah, and um, it, it's it also. I mean, it is. It's. It's a, it's tough. It's emotional, but it is so. I mean, b- above anything else, it is just entertaining as shit. This guy is just such a yeah. to watch. Well, I remember. I think it was the year after when um, who was it? Somebody did. Uh, oh, they got some. I mean, it was like it wasn't Ken Burns. It was some. Um, he was less blank. Did he do the uh, the interstitials at the Oscars one year? Um, Chuck Workman. Maybe it was Chuck Workman. Yeah, that could be it. And and they did little clips. And when they did the documentary section, they showed a clip of Mark Borchard. Uh, make when he's making the movie with his mother, and I was watching with a group of friends, and we all cheered so sincerely because it was like fucking Mark Borchard's at the Oscars. It was like yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great one. That is yeah. a great one. Fantastic. Thank you. The the best. The just real quick to put a finer button on it. When at the beginning he's in, he's going through his bills. He's in debt, and then the line. Oh, kick fucking ass! A Mastercard. It was like talking <laughs> about the time we live in now. Of, that is <laughs> could not be more appropriate. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. um, aptly named. So yeah, and then uh, another one that I actually I used to love, and then I hadn't watched in a while, and I've been kind of just rewatching a, a lot recently is Defending Your Life. Um, yeah. Oh, yep. Al Brooks film with Meryl Streep, which. Uh, is I don't know I there is I've always been fascinated by afterlife films and like takes on things like that and when those are done so well like those are films I feel like and it's it is a very good like love story too it's a very like um it's it walks a couple lines but I mean Albert Brooks is just so damn funny in it and um yeah just I love defending your life so that's another one fantastic yeah that's uh, that's I was just thinking who is who is uh... Joe, who's the writer who wrote Ghost and Jacob's Ladder? Oh, um, uh, I actually know him. Um, Bruce Joel Rubin. Bruce Joel Rubin, right. Well, I feel like, didn't he write like 30 different movies about death and the afterlife? Well, you know, you can't go wrong with the afterlife because everybody's got one. I Well, yes, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> let, us, let us hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good one, good one. Uh, coming in number three on my hot quarantine take list, <laughs> Raising Arizona. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The reason why I choose that over some other ones is because it is, I believe it is the Coen Brothers' first film. and uh, No, it's uh, Blood Simple. It's their second. Blood Simple was their first, yeah. But it's so, uh, it's a, I don't know, not enough people. When I say, when I tell people to watch Raising Arizona, I feel like not, I feel like a lot of people know the Coen Brothers. They know later films but a lot of people have missed uh raising arizona and it's like nicholas cage at his total best mm, and it so is good. and i also feel like it's one it, it is you know their genre their their ability to kind of the way they make it was just a different kind it was a breath of fresh air when they would take 
you know, they would show stills of people standing there kind of posing. It was just, it's, uh, it's just great. And that's why I think you see that these guys are such fruitful filmmakers later on, but it's like a good chance to get an early look at, at how they were making films back then. Yeah. That's a great one. It's, yeah. it's so goddamn funny too. But yeah, it was because blood simple was what the year before. And then, you know, the fact that their first two films are so wildly and radically different from each other. Was, yeah. Kind of heartening. Yeah. Well, Raising Arizona also is defined by the Barry Sonnen film Wide Lens. Yes. Which, which they didn't have on Blood Simple, which is Blood Simple. Uh -huh. is very, it was a very simple movie and it's oh, shot yeah. with very flat lenses and it's lit kind of like a porno movie. So, it, it, I mean, it's, right. it's not, it's not, it's not this, it, you wouldn't think that after seeing these two movies together, it's like, oh, the same guys made both these pictures. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, you know, it'll help us out. Holy shit. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, this is another documentary. I was torn between, because also on here I have Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, which is a, another jam. Very appropriate right now. Yep. But, uh, very appropriate. But another film that's very appropriate right now is the documentary Queen of Versailles, which um, uh, I, is like, the good, you know, that's that is what American movies do. And I think I gravitate towards those documentaries where it's just some filmmaker who's just hanging in there for whatever reason, because they've started this process and they're probably halfway through it going, you know, Mike, is this about anything? Is there any, is there right. anything going to come from this? And then there's just the <clears throat> boom moment that is either, you know, self-inflicted or outside circumstance based. And universe die is just, the, you know, I mean, it's basically a documentary about the most affluent family in America trying to replicate uh, Versailles in Orlando and then the housing market crashes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty um, great. Yeah, and the great characters. I mean, the characters in it are like, you know, you could not write better characters. You guys ready for the top dog? Oh, yeah, sure. Or you just have to say, Josh, go ahead. No, no, I don't want to say, is it a documentary? Queen of Versailles or the last <clears throat> No, no, the next, your last one. The last one is not a documentary. Oh, because I was going to say, as long as you're I, I, a recommendation, in case you haven't, our um, friend friend of show, Adam Rifkin, um, Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Do you know this film? No. It's it's a wonderful doc. It makes a great double feature with American Movie. Um, really? Okay. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's all I'll say. Giuseppe <laughs> Makes a Movie. What, and how old is it? Uh, it was about five years old. Okay. Um and uh yeah it's it's uh it's a character that adam had had played small parts in several of adam's movies uh, i was a kid who lives in a trailer park and he's a filmmaker in his own right hmm. and um it's it's pretty special right <laughs> okay good. that's all i'll say okay sure uh and then um my number one and this is truly anytime i have a plane ride where I where they go oh the Wi-Fi's out and there's no TV and I go oh I didn't I don't have a book I put on Idiocracy by Mike Joe <laughs> uh, yeah and, always appropriate and is there a film that started off as a great comedy and has become a documentary more yeah no. it's also <laughs> it's, it's it starts out as a comedy and it ends as a tragedy yes and every year that goes by it becomes more and more of a tragedy We've we've almost surpassed it, as a matter of fact. And, then, and that's one of the things that is astounding, is that movie takes place 500 years in the future, and they could have said 30. Yeah. I mean, 
we really the timeline the timeline is the only thing that's off in idiocracy exactly pretty much pretty much um yeah yeah and and i wonder you know it's actually i think we're we're dumber now i think we have exceeded idiocracy well the thing that they find hard in idiocracy and you even find it when you watch it is it's hard to write the the first quarter of the film the characters are so dumb but then eventually they have to get a little smarter to actually be able to generate story and jokes and things like that but uh they the, the, the things that we watch the things that we eat the companies all combining into one the presidents, the leaders, the former wrestler. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a movie that I just, when it first came out, thought was brilliant. And then every time I watch it, I am more and more just like. And you know, that movie was deliberately buried. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, when it came out, my girlfriend at the time and I were very excited to go see it. And we, we only literally could find it playing in one theater in Los Angeles in Brentwood. And so we just like, that was my first time in Brentwood. And I was like, the hell, you know, and, but to go see Idiocracy because they buried it because of the accuracy at which they skewer the, you know, uh, conflation of businesses and how Carl Jr. and Mondo and all that. I mean, so they did, they come, the companies would not, advertisers would not support the film. Yeah. And Fox, you know, was very sensitive about the way that the, that was handled is their, is their movie. And so there are actually no posters for that movie. They, well, there's just that weird Leonardo one. There's a weird Leonardo thing. <laughs> yeah. but that, that was like, they just threw that together to. That's you know. amazing. Well, I had, I had read the script a couple of years ago. I'd been floating around and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever read. I was a huge Office Space fan. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I work in the business. So I'm vaguely aware of what's going on. I've read the script. No one's more primed for this movie to come out than I am. And I walk into a movie theater one day and there's this movie called 3000 from Mike Judge or called Idiocracy from Mike Judge. I go, what's that? And it's the damn movie. They had, yeah, I mean, I, they didn't say a word. They just yeah. dropped the damn thing. It was uh, crazy, crazy. But yeah, fantastic film. I, I Gareth, you you did a, I think I've, I've mentioned it on the show a couple of times even. Um, speaking of airplane movies, one of the funniest tweets ever, you were on a flight and they had... Um, discontinued the screens on the chair in front of you and you had to watch on your own iPad. Do you remember this? No. Oh, you, and you had this exchange with the airline on Twitter and they said, yeah, well, now you have to, you know, just bring your own iPad or device and we'll hook you up. And you said, God damn it. I, I'm a traditionalist. I like to see movies the way they were meant to be seen on the back <laughs> of the seat in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember when I, I watched, uh, I, someone was, someone brought up gravity to me the film yeah. and uh and i go hey yeah that's okay they go really grab it where'd you did you just watch it at home and i go hey i watched it on a plane and i watched it on the little delta <laughs> you know, two by six screen and they're like you did not do you did not give it the right chance i was like i'm too gravity uh well gareth thank you so much man this was thank uh, you guys thank you great, great stuff uh stay low stay healthy yes you too stay healthy uh, we need everyone now you will be permitted to see and hear the sights and sounds of Sadismo, the man on the rack. The girl in the Iron Maiden. The brutal, the shocking, the strange and torturous customs practiced in our world today. Sadismo is an authentic catalog of cruelty actually filmed in the dark corners of our so-called civilized world. Sadismo. 
This is life as it is. Life in the raw. Next up is old friend of the show, trailers from Hell Guru, and legendary director, the great Helen Arkish, who's going to send us out on a musical note. Joanne and I were watching this, uh, this movie called Nora Prentice, which is a fine movie. And uh, it got to be about midnight, and we were really depressed. And so I said, hang on. And I went and I pulled out this David Bowie concert uh, called Reality Tour. Mm-hmm. And I put on Heroes mm-hmm. uh, with 20,000 people singing along. And it completely lifted our spirits. So sure. that's why I came up with the topic for you guys of... Um, uh, uh, Wait a minute. Okay. That's why I came up with a topic for you guys of a box sets for boomers. Oh, because, wow. you know, we are, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, people are calling the disease boomer removers. And uh, <laughs> we are the prime audience and for this uh, disease. And with all oh. the despair and existential dread, nothing lifts you more than music. Sure. So, why not go back to the music that we've all been following up to 50 years now, some of this stuff, uh-huh. and have offered us a lot of solace and uh, guidance. And it's like a one-way conversation with this music. And yeah. I don't know, how many times have you played Promised Land, Josh, when you feel low? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, and sure. it completely lifts you, uh, like a Rolling Stone lifts me. And plus, we got a lot of time. And so yeah. there happens to be quite a few of these music docs that are, to put it mildly, granular. Uh, they go into such enormous depth. So you sure. get to not only hear the music that you love, you yep. get to see the artists become who they are. Yep. So that was the basis of what I thought we could talk about today. Fantastic. Okay. All right. You, so been, yeah. I'm going to start with my favorite artist. Okay. And that's Bob Dylan. Well, and coincidentally, right. today he released his first song in many, many years, and it's a 17-minute uh, song about the JFK assassination, which yep. is which it really isn't about that. It's just about everything that's led up to where we are. Uh, yeah. And it's filled with references to all sorts of events that only people our age probably are going to remember and, and uh, you know, titles of things. And, and it's, it's quite a it's 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 a mournful dirge, but it's it's really, really well written. And, you know, his stuff guys won a Nobel Prize. So, <laughs> you know, when I just the other day I was listening to A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. And if there was anything more prophetic, I don't know what it is. So the recommendation I have is the documentary that Scorsese did called No Direction Home. Sure, okay. it's great. It's fantastic. It's three hours and 15 minutes long. And with the bonus, it's another two and a half hours. So that <laughs> should pretty much do it for you. Okay. Yep. It's, yep. It carries Dylan from his very beginnings and stops right when he goes electric. That's where it ends. That's um, where it ends for a lot of people. Yes. Well, actually, <laughs> I was at one of those concerts. I was at the second electric concert. Oh, my God. The one of course. Yeah. He started playing folk music. And then from there, it went into, you know, the electric set and the audience was booing and all this stuff. It was one of the most memorable nights of my life. But I happen to love 
this this uh, this box set of, uh, yeah. of No Direction Home, and there's no shortage of Dylan material. There's a um, if you really love Dylan, there's a Newport Folk Festival collection of all his performances at the Newport Folk Festival. Mm. But the one that I want to recommend for the people our age is um, it's, it's your age, uh, your age, my, my age, the 30th anniversary concert celebration. And this was on the 30th anniversary of Dylan performing. And yeah. it's it's really long. <laughs> it's great. It's Neil Young, who's in it, calls it the Bob Fest. And uh, it's about three hours and 40 minutes long. And it peaks with that timeless song. Um, uh, I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. You know? yeah. And on that particular version, you have Bob Dylan, Roger McGuinn, Tom Petty, Eric Clapton, Neil Young, George Harrison, all singing it together with Bob. If that doesn't lift your heart, nothing will. Uh, so there's that. Is is the uh, is the Sinead bit on there? Did they, is that yes, Sinead yeah, is on there. It's um, she's such a superhero in that. It's uh, and Eric Clapton doing uh, "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" is fantastic. And Neil Young doing all along the Watchtower. So between all of that, you're set with Dylan. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Just want to mention since uh, another uplifting concert is the concert for George, it's called. And it's uh, in honor of George Harrison passing away. All his mm -hmm. friends, Paul McCartney included, came together for this concert. And they do all things must pass that will break your heart. And and then because they were best friends and they shared a wife, <laughs> George Harris, you know, Harrison and Eric Clapton were best friends. And yeah. Here Comes the Sun was written in, in uh, uh, George's garden with Eric playing guitar, et cetera. He does While My Guitar Gently Weeps and whips it out, as they say. Yeah. It's like a four-minute best of Eric Clapton solo. So... If you want to be lifted and you like George Harrison and Beatles songs, go yes. to concert for George. I got to say, for maybe the three listeners uh, who don't know about this, and let me stand up for my generation's people, the um, uh, Prince playing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh. doing that with those guys might be the greatest guitar solo I've ever seen or heard in my entire life. It's Josh, you're absolutely right. And the Clapton one is only 1% less. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. Well, what's the great? Somebody asked Clapton what, what it's like to be the greatest guitar player alive. Uh -huh. You know this? And he said, I don't know. Ask Prince. <laughs> and I love at the end when Prince tosses the guitar up in the air yeah. and it disappears. And it just walks away. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. I, I have not seen a concert for George. I'll check that out. Okay. So um, let's go to a band that's emblematic of. Uh, boomers emblematic with uh, making you feel better. Uh, a band who, if on the day that I first saw them in 1967, if you had said to me, "How long is this going to band going to last? Do you think anyone's going to like them?" I would have said, "No, it's the Grateful Dead." Okay, uh -huh. so the Grateful Dead, for being, you know, acid washed as they say, uh, sure put out a lot of material and are very yeah. hip um to technology you know and so i saw them in 67 and became friends with them at the fillmore east in 69 and so i stayed friends with them and uh i know bill kreutzman's son who's a filmmaker and so forth and garcia and i were were good friends and i cut the trailer for the grateful dead movie 
which is very entertaining uh, look at them in 1975. They actually, uh, Jerry is a film buff mm-hmm. and uh, used to come to my house and we'd watch uh, movies from Joe's collection. Jerry has seen on a double bill, Hell's a Poppin' and Eight and a Half. Wow. A great double bill. <laughs> Isn't that a great double bill? He likes any, any movie. Made for acid. He's like any movie that bro- broke the, the fourth wall because sure. the guy lived between the fourth and fifth wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I want to recommend is It's a Long Strange Trip, which is the documentary that was on Showtime. Yeah, recently, uh, right? Yeah. and I heard it was great. I've not seen it. It's really good. And in typical Grateful Dead fashion, the documentary is even longer than a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> <laughs> It's four hours long. What? Yes. And I, I went to see, I had the dragger, my wife, Joanne, to see this. We were invited to the premiere. And when they stopped at the halfway point to have an intermission, she said, oh, it's so good. I want to know what happens next. So you don't have to be a deadhead. It is okay. amazingly funny. Uh, okay. Those guys were really funny. And it really goes into every aspect of it. You know, Al Franken is a riot in it. Um, by the way, Al Franken, Tom Davis, and Jerry Garcia wrote a film script once, an adaptation of The Sirens of Titan. What? Yes. It. Yeah. And I've read it a couple of times and they went around pitching it. I would have liked to have seen that. Um, is, it, is it good? Yes. It's very yeah. faithful. It's very oh, faithful. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. So I highly recommend this. It's very, very entertaining. It's pretty brilliantly edited and uh it just moves back and forth and and every aspect of things that they touched uh is in there and uh the sequence where they go to uh, playboy after dark uh-huh. and they play and then jerry said like oh it's a set these aren't real people <laughs> having fun and then then they dosed everyone and uh when they show the clip and all these people dancing wildly on acid, it's oh, pretty wow. great. It's full oh of that kind God. of stuff. Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay, so, I'm in. You, you, you have me there. on acid. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, a, but people, they did it without their consent. Is that the... I mean, oh, yeah. No, 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 without their knowledge. No, without knowledge. their knowledge. No, Sorry, no, yes. No, no. Um, there's, well, a, there's another that's concert so that, um, in typical Grateful Dead fashion, it's called Sunshine Daydream. It's a DVD box set with CDs. It's performed in a cow pasture. I swear, I can't make this stuff up. A a goat pasture, I'm sorry, in Oregon. And they had no lights when they filmed it. So it starts in the sunshine and soon the sun goes down and they sing in the dark. Um, It is, the cameras don't move and it's so hot that people start taking off their clothes and it's in real time, this concert. and. At a certain point, everyone is pretty much naked, and it looks like a documentary of a lost civilization with some primal right. So <laughs> I recommend that. Okay. <laughs> now it's time to go into Josh territory. Uh-oh. Bruce. Hey. All right, Bruce. I like that guy. Yep. Now, Bruce Springsteen has been very generous with his movie stuff, his, his stuff. Not lately. They, you know? Lately. Yeah, I remember back in the day, you couldn't even, he didn't even make videos for a long time. It was, uh, yeah. So with each reissue, 
they do a making of documentary with all this footage. Yeah. And each of them are about an hour, hour and 20. Yeah. So, um, and Born to Run is a wonderful, you know, informational documentary with great music and performances and seeing them in the studio. And yeah. with that bonus, you get a concert, the first concert they did in England on that tour. Yeah, yeah. And I so, yeah, if you like Bruce, there's that one. There is also um, a really good one for Darkness on the Edge of Town, which everyone constantly complaining how long they've been in the studio. And yeah. Bruce has recorded 50 songs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good documentary. Uh, it's great. It just always blows my mind how many just straight up hits he would write and yes. then just decide not to use on the album because they didn't fit thematically. And then you know, he toss them off to some, you know, here, here, Patty Smith, give her her biggest hit. And here gives fire to somebody else. Exactly. And you know, the, the song Hungry Heart, which yeah. everyone, oh, yeah. and it was the song. Tell, tell them who you wrote it for. That was the song that Joanne and I, that was our wedding song. Oh, really? Yes. And Bruce went to see the Ramones. Yes. And he loved them. And he said, I'm going to write you guys a song. And he wrote Hungry Heart. And he played it for Steve and for his manager, Landau. And they said, you're not giving that song to the Ramones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the hit on uh, on that album. Yeah. And then also on the river, there's a ton of stuff. You know? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, those concerts are amazing. Too. There's a, a lot of stuff from him. Um, interestingly enough, Scorsese did the, uh, he was the producer on the Grateful Dead one. Uh, he was the producer on uh, and directed, so to speak, the Bob Dylan one. And he did a Living in the Material World, which is a four-hour documentary oh, about yeah. George Harrison, which it's is really the dark good. side of Beatlemania. You know? It's really good. It's really good. Uh, and it's a totally absorbing. Yeah. I, I don't want to run out of time. Um, how about the – did you ever hear of the Stones, the Rolling Stones? Uh, I, 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 uh, big in the 60s. That's yeah, it. That's it. Yeah. I think that there is probably more film material on the Rolling Stones than anyone. So here we are in isolation. You could start with the Ed Sullivan show and sure. work your way through their entire career and see them change clothes and looks many, many times. And uh, there's just a lot of good stuff about them. But I want to call your attention. To one, well, aside, there's Gimme Shelter, which is, of course, should be yeah. seen by everybody. There's one which has a great reputation, but it's actually not that good. It's called Cocksucker Blues. Oh, yeah, that's so, uh, well, yeah. That's yeah, a rather tricky documentary, yeah. I'm being so bored. <laughs> it, is, played at, it played at the Fox Venice. And it, that's it, right. It, it completely sold out because it was like, that's, it's, it's the movie we can't see. And it turned out to be such a dud. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. we both saw it that night, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I have a bootleg of it. I'll lend you. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. It's all right. But their producer, Don Was, who yeah. produced a lot of their stuff in the last 20 years, said to them, you guys got to play more of those old songs. You got to get back to being the Rolling Stones. You know, mm -hmm. these stadiums are great, but let's, you know. So he got them to produce this album called Totally Stripped, which is mostly yeah. acoustic versions. And while they were doing that, he brought them into a, he made a DVD, several DVDs. It's actually four. And they went into a studio in Tokyo and just them, they played all the songs that Don was wanted them to play acoustically. It sounds fantastic. 
They filmed the concert in London. They filmed the concert in Paris. But the one I'm talking about is they were in Amsterdam at the Club Paradiso. Club Paradiso was the first hash club in Amsterdam. You could go there and smoke dope, smoke hash. And it held about 500 people, and it still does. And the Stones played there for two nights. And on those two nights, they are the greatest bar band you ever saw. The energy, the fact that the people are one foot from Mick Jagger, the fact that they just kind of lean into each other, it is so exciting. The version of Give Me Shelter on the every song just comes off incredibly well. So if it's available, you got to go to Amazon, Rolling Stones, totally stripped box set. Yeah. Highest recommendation. Yeah, no, it's great. There's also, you know, when they did... Um when they uh, uh, did the re-release of Some Girls a couple of years ago, the sort of deluxe box set, um, they also released a concert from 1976. Oh, uh, yes. There. They've done a bunch of them. Yeah. And, yeah, then- and it, it, oh, my God. You know, they were, you forget, you know, that, that because uh, I remember when that album came out, it was, everyone was like, oh, my God, they're so old. How is it going to be any good? And, yeah. Well, even when they did the Scorsese movie, Shine a Light, you know, yeah. which at this point, they're really professional. You know, they could yeah. they could do this. And yeah. about the fourth song in, they're playing a, a song called Hot, Hot, Hot. Yeah. And right during the verse, Keith and, and Scorsese is the best because he doesn't miss anything, you know. Yeah. And the camera catches me, Keith and Mick looking at each other like, I think we just locked on, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they look to Ron Wood and all of a sudden the band gets lift off. And yeah. you see it in front of you, and you could just feel all the years shed away, you know. Well, that also, that show, that was the first time, because they had been genuinely, uh, you know, on, on the outs for quite some time. And um, while they're filming that show, that's the first time Mick and Keith sang at the same microphone in years while they were doing that. And then sort of it all started coming back together. It's, it's very charming. Jack White sings on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, at a certain point while he's singing... He steps back for a guitar solo and he looks around and he goes, yeah. you can see him say, I'm singing the Rolling Stones. Yes. You can just see yeah. the look on his face, you know. Yeah. Which oh, Bruce amazing. said the same thing, by the way. Yeah. yeah sure. In his book, he said, when he got to sing with the Stones, that was it. You know. Yeah. Yep. Now, speaking of, speaking of, speaking of following people through the years, you know, if you, if you have some money, uh, you could go to the videobeat.com, which oh. is a uh, DVD company, and get the entire run of Shindig. Oh, Every episode yeah. from, Holy shit. from 65 through 67, maybe. I can't remember what it was, but, the, but it's like it, it's, it's an astonishing amount of great talent. Uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, and, it's, and they, the quality is pretty good. Sound quality is quite good. Oh, the, the, uh, sh- it, the shin dogs were great. It just it sets you it'll set you back because yeah. it's you know it's like one hundred and seventy five dollars or something like that. But uh, it's the whole it's the whole run, and I it, oh, it's, wow. it's a it's an archaeological dig, you know. Well, the, that band, the shin dogs, were part of the L.A. Um, uh, wrecking crew and so forth. All those great musicians, mm-hmm. and they ended up. Uh, the album Mad Dogs and Englishmen, uh, Joe Cocker, that's yeah. the Chin Dogs uh, as a backup band. Also yeah. a great concert film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really okay. good. We can do, really we can do, we can do concert films all day. I was, uh, I was waiting when you were going to talk about the long, 
docs. I, I was waiting for you to mention the Tom Petty one. That I've got it right here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Four <laughs> hours. Four, Four hours. hours of That's not so petty. <laughs> Whoa. And then um, the one the one that I like for a band, and I'm sure I'll alienate someone. But it, it's a thing. There's just a whole bunch of I, I, I hate the Eagles. I'm sorry. I hate the fucking Eagles. But the was it a four hour HBO yeah. doc they did on? It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and basically, it's for, for the first half hour, I'm watching it, going, "Oh, maybe, maybe these, maybe I need to read." And then the second or the first two hours, and then the second two hours, you're going, "Oh, these guys were monsters." Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. but it's a great uh, doc. Even yeah, if you hate the band. Oh, I'm just going to pull it down from the shelf. The guy, um, I forgot. There is a doc about an engineer. Uh, who engineered? Who started out on the uh, Alamos Atomic Energy Project as a scientist, mm-hmm. and his personality didn't jibe with top secret information, so okay. he went into the music business <laughs> and he created the first eight-track tape machine, which he hand-built, and he started working for Atlantic Records, and wow. he was the engineer on all the Aretha Franklin songs, on all wow. the the uh, well, from Atlantic from 48 on, you know, and the documentary about him is amazing. I'm sorry I didn't uh, remember his name, but uh, he also did uh, Ray Charles, Ruth Brown, you name it. And he, he is the guy who produced Layla, the album. Oh, really? And in the documentary, he pulls out the multitracks and plays you the multitracks and you can see how they're put together. Uh, he also was the producer of the Allman Brothers Live at the Fillmore East. And uh, he's just one of great and a fascinating person because he's just like a genius to build. He was on the atomic bomb thing, you know, but he found and he liked me. It's called Tom Dowd and the Language of Music. I believe. Is that correct? No. That's what I'm looking, I'm looking at. Right. Tom uh, Dowd. Yes. Tom Dowd. Dowd. Yes. That's Tom it. Tom Dowd and the Language of Music. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'll look should, for that too. Yes, you should pick that up. So, Alan, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. And, and uh, uh, I wanted to end with a little uplift from uh, David Bowie. Well, thank you. We've had a lovely, lovely evening. But you come to me. I'll drink all the time. Cause we're lovers Then is the fact Yes, we're lovers Then is that The only thing Who drives them away We can beat them We can make you worse Just for a day What you say, I say Like dolphins Like dolphins
arms can swing Oh, nothing will keep us together We can beat them forever and ever
Okay, so that's our third pandemic parade. Um, we're going to be back on Tuesday at a regular time with one of our regular shows and a regular guest. And hopefully we'll be back uh, next week as well with another one of these. We're going to keep them coming as long as we can, folks. Uh, thank you again for joining us. And remember, do what you can to help out the Hollywood Food Coalition. Most importantly, stay safe, stay healthy. Watch lots of movies. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.